Well, good morning. So we are in preparations for our um, seminar coming up in January, and I just want to, uh, to, I guess, dig a little bit more into it. This is not just about, are you in debt, and so you need some instruction to get out. This is a, a, a broad, good stewardship seminar that we're doing. So uh, he, he calls it No Debt, No Sweat, because when, when you're talking about finances with most people, you're talking about debt. And so that, that's a, a big part of it, and that's a draw, and that, that's a, a, a kind of a, a, a mental catch that you can get with people when you're talking about this, because that's going to hit more people. But this is a bigger picture about uh, good stewardship. And so I just want to make that um, clear, and hopefully make it clear as, as we approach this uh, coming up in January. And also, we, we are talking about and would like to uh, explore the possibility of providing child care uh, for this seminar. One of the biggest demographics uh, that finances affects are young families. And so um, it's real easy for me and Jonathan and Oren to say we want to do child care for this uh, seminar we're doing. But uh, we obviously are not going to be the ones in the room with kids. And so this morning we're putting out uh, just some feelers to say we've got one volunteer who is willing to help with child care. And if we can get enough to where we can advertise and offer that, then we are going to make that available. If we don't, we are not going to make it available. And so uh, if you are interested in, in helping and, and maybe being part of, of uh, exploring what that might look like, uh, if you just let me know, let Jonathan know, uh, and then uh, we can, we can kind of see where we want to go from there. We need to finalize that in the next couple of weeks. So we'd love to know this week uh, if you are interested in helping. We already have one volunteer, uh, but uh, she would definitely appreciate and need uh, some others before we make this widely known. So I want to do that. One more thing is thank you so much as the boxes are returning for Glenview Elementary. Uh, I was doing a count in my head, and so I think we're about 12 shy of our 40 that we uh, distributed. Uh, we're going to be taking those to Glenview this week. I know where two of them are because those people told me that they have them. Uh, this is a uh, um, on the honor system, and so we're expecting 40. And so if you still have one, uh, if you could please get that back, today would be great. If not, talk to me and let me know. If we need to come get it, that's okay also. If you took a box and fully intended to, to fill that box with the items, and now something has come up and you cannot, this is a judgment-free zone. So please talk to me, and we'll take care of the box, okay? But we just want to make sure that we have all the boxes accounted for and are able to get those to those families. And you can still donate to the gift cards that we are collecting for also. So deadline is this week. Uh, we need to get those out to them. So when you're thinking about uh, this time of the year, it's hard to imagine... Uh, a time when red and, and green weren't synonymous with Christmas. Uh, you look around everywhere and probably in your uh, memories of growing up and years past, you know, red and greens can tend to go with Christmas, but they have not always been the go-to Christmas color. This is interesting to me. Um, Ariel Ekstut is, uh, was a, a co-author of a book called The Secret Language of Color and uh, attributes the, palettes, the Christmas palettes rise to two things, holly and Coca-Cola. Imagine that. Our, our American view of Christmas colors came from holly and Coca-Cola. But it took a while for red and green to rise to the top. And so just as our 
clothing styles and, and our, our, our interests, our preferences have changed, so too, apparently, have those of Santa Claus. And I'm going to be careful this morning, so don't be afraid. Extude says that the Victorian era, Santa, during that time period, he was experimenting with different styles of clothing, different colors of clothing uh, during that time, you know, kind of with the, uh, with the culture. And so you could find Christmas cards during that time where Santa used a lot of different colors. And so sometimes he would wear red and green, and sometimes it would be red and blue, and sometimes it would be blue and green and blue and white and... And you would often find Santa in blue, green, or red robes. It just fit the time. All of that changed in 1931 when Coca-Cola hired Santa, right, for a Christmas advertising campaign and they gave him, Coca-Cola gave Santa a new suit to wear for the North American advertising campaign. A red suit which coincidentally was the same color as the Coke logo. How about that? And so this really took hold in American culture. And Santa said, Americans love red. And so he started wearing a red suit. And so red is the most prominent color of Christmas. In fact, if you Google images with keywords, Christmas colors, 99% of those images would come back with red as the primary color. And so the the, the red has various associated attributes throughout the world. Colors have different associations in different cultures. And so in China, red symbolizes good fortune and joy. And so in Russia, it stands for communism and and revolution. And in in India, red is associated with purity. And in some countries, like in, in Africa, for instance, red is associated with death. And so in Nigeria, red is associated with aggression and and, and vitality even. Uh, Red is considered a lucky charm in Egypt and symbolizes good fortune and courage in Iran. And so as I mentioned last week, my, my purpose in this short series is to offer you some talking points, some direction when an opportunity may present itself as, as a busy time and a collective time of the year when the, the greater part of the world is talking about the birth of Christ at Christmas time. Subjects which for 11 months of the year they may never even think about and certainly not talk about. And so perhaps you may be able to broaden uh, the conversation and in doing so, lift up the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, the full good news story that we're called to live out each day of our lives. And so in a manger in Bethlehem, that, that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes didn't have a care in the world and yet somehow bore the weight of the world on his tiny little shoulders. And so what an incredible process. A process that God determined to deal with our fatal condition of sin. And so I can't imagine this baby wrapped in a, in, in a red blanket And yet his entire life was enveloped in red. red His purpose was red. And so perhaps you could Google images with the keywords of of Jesus' colors, and perhaps 99% of those would come back as the primary color being red. And unlike Santa Claus, Jesus did not change his image to fit the times. Jesus had one suit to wear, and that was the suit of a Savior. And so, in and through and by that suit, we are declared righteous and we are declared free. And so, in Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes 
in his letter, beginning in verse 22, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but they are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And God publicly displayed Him at His death as the mercy seat accessible through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness, because God in His forbearance had passed over the sins previously committed. This was also to demonstrate His righteousness in the present time so that He would be just and the justifier of the one who lives because of Jesus' faithfulness. And so when you think about red, red is not a passive color, right? It's not indifferent. Red is an explicit color. And so we recognize red as the color of warning. We put that in our warning signs and you know exit signs, things that we've got to, to draw attention to or, or to push people away from. And red, for instance, is, is the color that animators have chosen to use and they prefer when they draw that, that cartoonish version of Satan that we see in, in, in written out in illustrations. Red is the color of emergency. It, it tells us to watch out. Be careful, right? Red warns us that, uh, about people, perhaps people we need to, to avoid, to stay away from. And so when I worked in, in EMS, red was bad. Our job was to stop the red, right? And so you know, Steve made a career of putting white stuff on the red stuff, right? And so red, it was stuff you had to neutralize, you had to get rid of. And, so, and yet God so loved the world that He gave His only Son to cover us in red, so that we might be white as snow. Isn't that ironic? And so Paul, throughout the book of Romans, tells us what this birth of Jesus was all about. And so the first four chapters, as, as he writes this letter here, they're bleak. This is bleak. It's almost like, Paul, man, I wish you would have just you know, put up a red warning sign. You know, Stop now, because this is hard to hear. When you start getting into the first chapters of the book of Romans, because he says, everybody is unworthy. Are you a child of Abraham, a child of the promise? Guess what? You're unworthy. Maybe you're a Gentile. You're you're outside of the promise of Abraham. Guess what? You too are unworthy. And so our Christmas color then becomes gray because everything's looking dark and, 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 and bleak, especially when we realize we have failed to honor the Creator of all that was and is. And is to come. And so it's like, woe is us. But I am glad Paul didn't stop in chapter 3. Because he goes on in chapter 5 and verse 6, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person perhaps someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this, this precious Lamb of God lying helpless in a manger. I mean, why not require His life then? Why, why not then? Or why not one year? I mean, the Passover Lamb was like you know a year old, right? Why, why not one year old? Jesus lived some 33 years. Whereas the Passover Lamb was led unknowingly and unwillingly to His death, Jesus would determine that by God's will, He would submit to death. Willingly to death. And until that time, Jesus would be tempted in all ways, just as we are. 
but without sin. He would fulfill the righteous requirement of God for a perfect life. And it's because of God's selfless love for us and by Christ's heart devoted fully to God that that sacrifice was perfect in every way and accepted by God in every way. And red became not the color of warning, not the color of dying, but red became the color of praise and the color of rejoicing and the color of life. And he goes on to say, much more then, because we have now been declared righteous by His blood, that red blood of Christ, we will be saved through Him from God's wrath. And so the anger, the, the, the holy reaction, not towards us, but towards sin that God has reserved for the last day. We are saved from that. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, how much more, since we have been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? Not only this, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. And so there are a lot of people going to be seeing red in their bank statements come January, which is why our seminar is going to be very helpful for many folks. All overspending during December. B- businesses are considered failing when their books are in the red. Right? You don't want books in the red. They're out of balance when things are in the red. And so in the financial world, red leads to bankrupt. But through spiritual eyes, red is the color of wealth. It's the color of wealth. It's the color of prosperity. By His blood, we are reconciled. We are brought into balance. Red. Reconciled through His death. Saved through His life. And we know this, that red is the color of love. And did you notice how as, as, as Paul is describing us, helpless, ungodly, and weak, and Paul uses a word here in Romans 5 for, for someone who is terminally ill. Same word. We were terminally, spiritually ill. Someone who's weak and sick with no hope of getting better. And so we're helpless and we're hopeless apart from Christ. And someone, he says, they they might die for a good person. Someone might give their life for someone who's good. I saw in the news this past week how the fire chief of Maumelle has donated one of his kidneys to a young lady. And certainly she wasn't a stranger, right? I mean, he just didn't... see her name in an advertisement and volunteer for that. Certainly, they, he knew her in some way. From the picture I saw, she had a sweet smile. You know, she, she looked like you know, somebody that might have been known as a good person. And so that's great. That is great. And it's also rare. That is rare. But you know what's even more rare? It's gift-wrapping a kidney for someone who's a terrible person. That's pretty rare, Right? Someone who, who we might label as mean or even evil. We might give them $10, especially this time of the year, just to get them out of our way, get them moving on. But we probably wouldn't be motivated by love. But what about sacrificing a body part for someone like that? God demonstrates His love for us. He proves His love for us. Nothing but the love of God could motivate God to determine and permit Jesus to die for us. And so we are called enemies of God. We're not just the, the, the lead story on the news that God noticed and that God saw us and said, oh, those terrible people down there. Look at all the bad stuff they're doing. Terrible, terrible things. Terrible way. Innocent people have died because of them. No, we're, we're not the lead story. God is the lead story. And it was Him who was acted upon by us. Look what we have done to Him. 
And it's His innocence that died. His innocent Son. Son of God. And so we have sinned against God. And yet, in our state of being, in our state of, of acting and living, He has come to rescue us. He came to us to reconcile us, bring us into balance. And so when you look at Romans chapter 1 through 3, it's like our rap sheet. You know, like you've got a criminal rap sheet. It's like, it's like God ran us through, through NCIC, right? Or, or Melissa looked us up and found out that, that what came back were crimes worthy of death. It's like, whoa, death? What is death, dude? I mean, I've never killed anyone. I've never done anything like that. A little melodramatic, right, Sean? Got a little, you know, a little preacher exaggeration going on there. What does he say? Look at verse 17. For if by the transgression of one man, that's Adam, death reigned through the one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one? Jesus Christ. See, we are all subject to sin. We are all slaves to sin, beginning with Adam in the garden. And Jesus Christ has come to free us from that. To release us from that. Because of Adam, the sin of Adam, this human existence is marked by sin. And, and, and the imperfection of sin cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. And so there's not enough oxyclean in the world to, to clean our heart from sin. And the irony in all this is that in order to be made clean, we have to be covered in blood. It's the blood of Jesus. And so it was an act of love that makes it possible. So red is the color of love, and red is also the color of rescue. Jesus rescued us. And we see it in verses 9 and 10. He says, much more then, because we have been declared righteous by His blood, we will be saved through Him from God's wrath. So we are declared. I declare, right? We are declared. That's what God said. Y'all knew God was southern. I declare. They are righteous, right? So we are made righteous. It's a courtroom term, by the way. It's a legal term. So we are declared innocent before holy God by Christ and because of Christ. We're not innocent. We're not innocent. But Jesus is our substitute. He stands in our place. He donates His life so that our life might be renewed, restored, Balanced, And so Scripture uses a term justified, and you could think of it as justified. God sees us through Jesus Christ just if I'd obeyed. Just if I'd never sinned. That's what the blood of Jesus does for us. Pure and whole again. Jesus is our peacemaker. And in fact, in Romans 5 and verse 1, Paul writes, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus brings peace to us, but the, the greater peace is, is the peace between us and God. Jesus bridges that gap of hostility that sin brings into our lives. So hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King, peace on earth. And mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. How? Through Jesus Christ. That's the Gospel. That we, pro we proclaim that each week when we come together. 
And it's a gospel that we should proclaim every day as we live under the grace of God. And so in verse 9 he says, there's, there's a whole lot more. And Paul's running out of superlatives here as he's writing. And so we, we read earlier from Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, you know that from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, you were ransomed, not by perishable things like silver or gold, but by precious blood like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, namely Christ. And so the angels and, and, and the shepherds and the wise men, they all celebrated that He has come. The King has come. And today we can celebrate that He has come. Joy to the world. Sing it at the top of your lungs. But the greater lesson, the, the greater reason for the season is God's eternal plan. God's got a bigger plan. It's the reason that He has come. And that was to die on the cross. And so without the bloody cross, the sterility of a cooing baby in a manger is just a good story at best. The writer of Hebrews contrasts the limits that the, the old covenant with Israel had to, to the, the eternal covenant that God has made with all of creation through Jesus Christ. And so in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, we read that indeed, according to the law... That's the law of Moses. Almost everything was purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So it was necessary for the sketches of the things in heaven to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves required better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, the representation of the true sanctuary, but in heaven itself. And He appears now in God's presence for us. And He did not enter to offer Himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the sanctuary year after year with blood that is not His own. For then He would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But now He has appeared once for all at the consummation of the ages to put away sin by His sacrifice. And just as people are appointed to die once and then to face judgment, so also, after Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly await Him, He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation. And so we have been saved from the red-hot wrath of God because Christ has satisfied that wrath of God within Himself and on our behalf. And so this is the Gospel. This is as simple as it gets. This is... The good news. The good news. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings. That word there is I bring you gospel. I bring you good news of great joy. We talked about that before. Mega joy. The mega gospel. Which should be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. A Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. In this great event has the devil seeing red. And so we often think of, of the red blood of Christ when we think about the cross. And, and just a few moments ago, Jonathan led our thoughts as we assembled around the table and, and we, we drank from that cup representing His blood that, that poured down from the cross as His life flowed out of His body. Because blood is also a source of life. And life is a reason to rejoice. And and everyone in the United States should recognize a red cross as a source of life. It's a source of blood. And so the original red cross was on a hill 
called Calvary. And it was on that hill, defiled and rejected, that Jesus became the true source of life. And so, instead of serving as a color of warning, this red becomes a beacon of invitation, inviting us to Him, inviting all who would come to receive this divine gift. A divine gift not wrapped in swaddling clothes, but offering to clothe us in His righteous love. And folks, as people who are clothed in His blood, we ought to be walking crime scenes. We ought to leave trails of blood everywhere we go as our lives touch the lives of those around us, leaving the impact of Jesus Christ in the world around us a world that needs so much to be covered in His blood. What color are you portraying this Christmas? Is it the color of red? Are you leaving the, the, the mark of Christ in the world around you? It's got to start with, with your life, my life. We, we have to have the mark of Christ in, in our life first, in our hearts to be covered in His blood, having been baptized, met Him in death so that we could be raised up in this new life. See, life begins in blood. What a remarkable, remarkable sight. God incarnate. God in flesh mutilated to some degree, hanging on a cross because of the very ones He came to save. But in all of our humanity, in all of our feeble attempts to understand the world around us, we could not understand that the very death in front of us was actually life for all of us. Have you received that life? This morning, we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. If we can pray for you and your walk with Christ for strength and to, to, to leave a more visible mark in the world around you, if we can rejoice with the angels in your decision to be baptized into Christ this morning for the forgiveness of your sins. This time of the year, the greatest gift you can give to yourself is a decision to follow Jesus Christ and receive the peace the true peace of not just this time of the year, but all year round. This morning as we stand and sing this good song, will you come?